Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mauser Electronics. Not only does Mauser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month the focus is on AI and edge computing. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mauser.com slash empowering dash innovation. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, we will be diving into some new news from Samsung. We've got some updates on Mobile World Congress, which is an event that is actually happening, even though that nobody Oi. is really talking about it it's uh it's kind of wild let's call it our hot gadget summer how about that Sherlyn? i i misread that as hot garbage summer at some point when you wrote it down and <laughs> well I was if like, you're in new york and new jersey that's also every summer wow so that's just no wow. that's what it smells like every summer in new york I mean, because we put our garbage outside like or as always folks if you're enjoying the engadget podcast please be sure to subscribe to us on itunes leave us a review on itunes and uh you know, you can join us live uh, every Thursday mornings around 10 a.m. Eastern. You can see us in person on video. Uh, we'll do some audience Q&A. That's kind of fun. So join us for that. You can always email us at podcastandgadget.com as well. Let's move on straight into what is new from Samsung this week, because of all the companies, of course, Samsung has new stuff to announce. And joining us to talk about this and some of the other news is Sam Rutherford from Gizmodo, senior reporter at Gizmodo. Hey, Sam. Hey, how's it doing? Going well, Sherlyn. I feel like this is your domain. Um, you love Samsung so much. I don't what? love <laughs> Samsung. You do. You're getting Good called job. out first thing, huh? Yeah. No. Yeah, no, this I is every show, Sam. Sam. But yeah, yeah what, exactly. is, what is going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. First of all, mm-hmm. Sam and Samsung, very appropriate. Sam's here to talk Samsung. <laughs> yeah, of course. This is what, like, <laughs> uh, the company's, like, I don't know, fifth event that it live streamed this year so far. Uh, and this time around, it was, you know, specifically for, for NWC, it was mm-hmm. focusing on things like mobile security and whatever. But one thing that caught everyone's attention ahead of time before Samsung even sent out official invites and stuff was that they were talking about the new watch experience. And that was, for most of us, the highlight, right? Because Google and Samsung just announced they were collaborating on the uh, new Wear OS together, bringing together Tizen OS, which, again, we've said many, many times before, (laughs) has long been (laughs) the best 
smartwatch OS for Android users. Uh, and so bringing that together with Wear OS and that like third-party app compatibility was was very, very intriguing. But the event, I feel, <laughs> felt a little bit like a letdown. I don't know, Sam, what was your... Yeah. I don't know if you watched this live mm. or, or, you know, you, you just covered the news uh, afterwards or whatever. But what, what were your main takeaways from this? No, I watched it live. And my, my big takeaway is this was like the preview before the big movie. Like mm-hmm. they were, they were kind of teasing stuff, but they were like specifically left out a lot of important details. Like, okay, you know, you talk about one UI and like, you know, how you're going to change things and you're working with Google to make, you know, downloading apps easier and, you know, I- increase the size of the, the, the app availability. But mm-hmm. like, you didn't tell us anything about the watch itself. You said, oh, it might have some better body <laughs> tracking, you know, features. And it's like, Oh, this is great, but I I, I want to know about the, the watch. Like that's the mm-hmm. thing. Like you know, One UI is just part of the watch. This feels like yeah. uh, somebody gave Samsung an assignment. Uh, you know, like <laughs> hey, uh, you got to make this presentation in class. Um, hope you've done the reading. Hope you've done the homework. Hope you've been, actually been working on this thing. And I could just see everybody at Samsung just throwing their hands up and being like, I I don't know. Uh, let's give them a Set PowerPoint. Draws. Yeah, a PowerPoint for Mobile World Congress. That's enough, right? And then to be clear what Sam is uh, saying, Devinder rightly says that it sounds like they skimmed the executive summary and like summarized it again. Um, What Samsung did say at this almost underwhelming event is that (laughs) A, a Galaxy Watch running the new software experience is coming in the next Unpacked, which is happening... In later this year, they haven't uh, uh, shared actual details about right, no the device name. Anything. Right, no actual date. They're just like unpacked this year. Hey, they pretty much just confirmed <laughs> that there will be another unpacked this year, which we already kind of sort of knew. Mm-hmm. The other things they showed off, uh, like Sam was saying, is software stuff that they're they're able to do, which is One UI Watch is the name of like a software overlay on top of Wear OS, and it will do things like when you install an app that is compatible on your watch. Uh, When you install a watch compatible app on your phone, on your Galaxy phone, it will automatically download and install on your watch too. Something like that, right? And Mm -hmm. then your settings on your phone will mirror your settings on your watch, the way it's laid out. So like just, oh, unity, cohesion across all your Galaxy devices. This is what One UI is going to bring. Very, (laughs) very like almost like, there's still reason to go Samsung as opposed to straight Wear OS. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I mean, that's all we knew and that's all we learned. And again, I didn't. Ex- I think Samsung was itself caught unawares by like all the attention this got. Because <laughs> uh, I'll be very upfront with you guys. I think what happened was like a lot of people noticed that Samsung had an event on the MWC calendar. Yeah, I yeah. was like. Yo, what's this watch thing? And started pinging their Samsung PR people. And Samsung was like, oh, crap. Now we got to issue invitations. Now we got to live stream this thing. They've set the bar too high with all their garbage events, right? I think that's it. Everyone's expecting another stage event from them. Were you surprised, Sam, when you got the invite to this event, or or did, like did they hit you up specifically to get this invite? I I'm not sure. I was like surprised because you know Samsung is at all the big shows. They always have a huge booth at Mobile World Congress. But like you know because of the pandemic, you know no one really you know no one outside of you know Europe or China went to MWC, and it's like mm-hmm. it felt like Samsung was kind of throwing MWC a bone. It's like <laughs> here we we know like no one really cares about MWC this year. But, you know, we're going to make an appearance and 
you know, we're, we're good. And then we can kind of yeah. tease our own event later this summer. And that's going to have all the cool stuff. And, you know, you really want to be the, be at that one. So let me ask you guys, uh, this new this new One UI thing, by the way, can older watches from Samsung get it? Or is it all, only going to be new stuff moving forward? It will be the one the new One UI watch experience on top of Wear OS will mm-hmm. be for new devices because Wear OS is the OS for right. Galaxy watches moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, older devices and existing devices all run Tizen. Unless you're super, super old and you probably mm-hmm. have the Gear watch, which does run Android Wear. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Probably yeah. dead as shit right now. Yeah. So. And, and Samsung go. did say that they're going to offer three years of support for the older stuff from the day of whenever they were released, um, which is good mm-hmm. for me because I actually have the older Galaxy Watch. So I, I, I need I, I need that support. And, you know, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to like like the new one or not or, or yet. So, you know, we'll figure it out. I'm curious, Sam. Are you keen to get a new Galaxy Watch with the new Wear OS? Like, do you think it'll be good? I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of potential. I mean, we've all seen throughout the years that Google has doesn't hasn't they don't really. It feels like they don't know what they're doing with Wear OS. They keep trying mm-hmm. to add new features, but yeah. you know, you have like the biggest Wear OS watchmaker is Fossil, and like they're more into fashion mm-hmm. than they are about tech, which is totally fine. It's just, you know, they're not bringing a lot of innovation to the, you know, the Wear OS space. So I think, you know, having, you know, some synergy between Google and Samsung in theory is a good thing. It's just they have to really capitalize on that. And then, yeah. you know, as a, as a Galaxy Watch owner, I, I'm a little nervous because the thing that I love most about the Galaxy Watch is that rotating bezel. And so, you know, it we are not entirely sure yet if they're going to keep that or if they're not. Um, and if they don't keep it, it's like, you know, are they going to be able to come up with a UI that's, you know, as intuitive or, you know, as fun to use? I mean, I just sit here. Sometimes I spin the bezel just because I can. Because like it's a fidget spinner. Oh, yeah, I totally. Will say, <laughs> I will say this. Don't forget. Way back when. Remember the LG? I think it was the watch. Whatever LG watch that was like the first Wear OS watch had a spinning dial. Mm-hmm. And it was meant to help you scroll through like apps lists and stuff like that. So there's potential for Wear OS to adopt some of that, but I wouldn't be surprised if like Samsung kept some of that spinning UI for itself. I I personally don't think Samsung is going to get rid of the spinning bezel. I feel like it's too important to the lineup. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty iconic at this point. And even on like mm-hmm. the Galaxy Watch Active that doesn't have the spinning bezel, they still keep the circular like, you know, motions. So I, I have mm-hmm. a feeling like you're right. I do think that Samsung will try to keep that, um, that kind of innovation or that spirit uh, on the new one, but we have to see, you know, mm-hmm. how they actually implement it. So obviously this is kind of a teaser, like you said, Sam, of what is, you know, coming later this year. And we don't have an official date again uh, for Unpacked, but we know it's happening. And 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 uh, now we know the Galaxy Watch, yet unnamed, uh, will be there. Are you hyped for the next Unpacked? And what do you think Samsung's going to show, Sam? Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting Unpacked and, and I'm definitely looking forward to it because, you know, if you look at all the rumors, uh, you know, it's clear that there's going to be a Galaxy Fold, there's going to be a Galaxy Flip, the watch, and maybe some earbuds. And I think that'll be like really interesting because, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about, oh, there might not be a Galaxy Note this year. Samsung hasn't confirmed it yet, but that's kind of what it's looking like is going to happen, which means that foldables are really going to be front and center uh, taking, you know, the main show. It's like, it almost feels like we're prepping for Samsung to be like, all right, foldables are finally ready for the mainstream. And then, you know, there's also talk that they might drop the price and make it more affordable. I don't know if it's going to be like, you know, 
regular like Galaxy S21 Ultra price or X20, uh, S21 Plus price. But, you know, making, it's like, you know, it's, this is front and center. It's like foldables are here. They're ready for people to finally try out. I agree with you on that product lineup. I think that's what we think is most likely coming uh, based on all the leaks, which have in the past proven to be very accurate. In in addition to like Samsung not having confirmed officially if there are going to be no notes, I would also say that like haven't there hasn't their CEO or something like that high up gone on like ra- random interviews to say that yeah, we're not looking at notes anymore, at least not this year and maybe next or something. Um yeah. especially with the S Pen support on S21s and stuff like that. Right. And and this actually started like last year when they were talking about like, oh, we want to, you know, we want to add S Pen support to more things. Um, and you know, there's, you know, hints that S Pen support might be coming to the fold line, which will be really interesting because I think, mm. you know, it just makes sense to have a stylus support on a device with a much bigger screen. Cause you know, then you have just more display to draw, sketch, take notes on whatever. Um, and then, yeah, going back to your point, it's like, you know, the, the like the, the galaxy note line kind of feels like it's in a limbo because, you know, if you just think about it, like the galaxy note isn't the super, super premium Samsung phone anymore. That's the, that's the fold. So it kind of lost its place as like the flagship, flagship Samsung phone. And once that happens, you kind of look, it's like, oh, maybe we can take elements of the Note line, bring it somewhere else. And then Mm. maybe revisit the Note line next year when, you know, there's less pressure from the chip crunch. And, you know, it also Mm. gives the Galaxy fold and flip a little bit more time to breathe in terms of like, oh, they're going to take center stage. I, I didn't realize that foldables could have included a flip because that's the phone I'm most excited by. That's the phone that I, I... I know you own a foldable. Like, you got on this train early. Living with a foldable as your main device, what's that like? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I like it a lot. I mean, in terms of upgrading, it's going to depend hugely on the price because if it's mm. $2,000, I just can't buy a $2,000 phone every year. It's not just... Mm. It's silly. But And, and that's kind of why I like that, you know, they're kind of pairing the fold and the flip together just because mm. you know the flip is it's it's cute it's like a more pocketable phone it it's smaller and it still gives you that like awesome feeling of being the slam a phone shut when you're done with the call it's like mm. man you know that calls over because you you shut that phone like there's no question about it <laughs> and then in terms of like the fold which is the one i have um i, I just like it because Suddenly, like, oh, I don't ever care about owning a tablet anymore because my phone is a tablet. But, you know, it still fits in my pocket. Yeah, it's a little heavy. It's a little bit thick. And, you know, I think any incremental improvements that Samsung can make will have a a pretty significant impact. And, you know, I think, you know, increasing durability over a year. And it's it's really interesting to see that Samsung is already at the point where they're making small fixes and small incremental changes Whereas other companies just haven't even made a foldable phone yet. And so they, you know, it kind of shows you the gap between Samsung and other companies. It just, at least when it comes to foldable devices. Dev, I know you have thoughts on using Samsung's foldables as like a main driver. Would you be intrigued if it were cheaper? If they were cheaper, would you get one for yourself? Maybe if they were cheaper, but I don't, I think the fundamental problem is still, they're not really solving much. You know, it's, Mm. it's nice to get that physical sensation of clicking or sliding or something now um if they you know sometimes if if they can actually give me a much bigger screen um that could be nice but i'm still worried about durability i don't want to spend even a thousand dollars on a device that isn't as durable as like a single you know static slab of you know glass so i am still not fully sold i agree the flip looks nice though it is 
like, yeah, that is like the ideal of what I'd want eventually. We'll, we'll get you. We'll get you into foldables. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm interested, like, Sam, what are you what updates do you want Samsung to make to its foldables? Because I I'm just like make the screen more durable, maybe and better cameras yeah. for sure. But um, what else? The, the screen durability is definitely a big one because and, and it's kind of weird because my phone has held up really well. But at the same mm. time, like it's, the pandemic has been going on and I didn't go outside. So it's not getting the same everyday wear and tear that I normally yeah. get. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm planning on doing a re-review at some point. Um, mm. But mm. it's like there are there are definitely concerns because the screen is soft. Like if you if you wanted to, you could dent the screen with your fingernail. No problem. And I think that is the number one priority that Samsung needs to improve. And it seems that like if. If they're able to add stylus support, it seems like they may have come up with a solution because, you know, if you try to use a stylus on my phone right now, it just ruin it like immediately. <laughs> um, and so if they can have something that is durable enough to support stylus, that is really encouraging. You know, we have to see how that actually gets implemented. And then the other part is something that I, I was like annoyed at back when the phone came out is the stupid polymer plastic film layer that's supposedly part of the screen. And it's like... Right now, like it kind of bubbles for me in the where where the crease is, and like it's not all the it's not all the time, and I can I yeah. can smooth it out like with my thumb, but it's like why is this a thing? And then on top of that, like the whole Samsung messaging from the beginning is if you need to remove it, you need to take it to a Samsung authorized service repair. It's like I'm not doing that. That's yeah. it's, that's absolutely crazy, and it's like why why is this a thing? And it's like now I'm looking into like oh what if I want to replace the Samsung's like default one with another one. It's like, mm-hmm. do I send it to a service center to lose my phone for a couple of days just so I can add my own screen protector? It's it's that 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 cannot be a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I hope they they have to fix it. Yeah. Also, that can't survive like life with uh, with a young child or a toddler, Sam. And that's going to be a <laughs> thing you're going to have to think about in like a year or two. You know. So it's like no water resistance is definitely a concern because that's yep. bound to be an issue. <laughs> Everything. And also, my daughter loves watching TikToks now. So it's like one thing I could do to calm her down, show her animal TikToks and hand her the phone. She knows how to swipe up and down and get what she wants. She's two and a half, you know, Mm. so it's not going to be too long before. uh, Yeah, a little one needs that. And yeah, these these foldables are not able to withstand any tiny hands or the beating that will ensue because of that, you know. Yeah, like right right now, like, you know, sometimes before bed, like I like watching a video in bed with my wife just to mm-hmm. kind of like relax and wind down for the night. And it's nice to kind of like share a screen that's like, obviously it's not huge, but it's big enough for both of us to watch. But like you said, if I'm trying to share this with a child, oh, that that, that child is not touching that phone. Uh, <laughs> that phone would be in the other room or something just to make sure that it's safe. Um, and, you know, maybe keeping phones away from small children is probably not a bad thing. Um, they, they, have enough, yeah. they have enough distractions in their lives. Different approaches, but okay, so we have a lot to that we hope Samsung will announce at the next Unpacked. I will mm-hmm. say, though, uh, the title of this episode, Devendra, <laughs> you came up with Hot Gadget Summer. We it should be like a question mark, because is, yeah. it, is it a Hot Gadget Summer? Maybe. Because, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about Mobile World Congress next, right? And yes. I was expecting to see more things. There's not much, you yeah. know? Well, I will say, <laughs> it's been hot, for it's sure, been very like, hot. in our area. And, yeah. yeah. But also... My gadgets have felt like they've been running hotter than normal, and I don't know if they're just sweating. But <laughs> for me, that's the interpretation. I'm like, oh, my gadgets are running hot this summer. I mean, but there have yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there have thing. been indeed. 
a bunch of announcements from MWC. Sam, you covered a bunch of these. I personally thought the Lenovo smart clock was the most interesting thing I've seen so far. I don't know if you agree. I know we were at the briefing together. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's it's a smart clock. It's cute. I like that they added wireless charging. But this isn't it, like it's not something you're going to get excited about. I don't know. I can, can we rename Mobile World Congress to Zombie World Congress this year? Because that's that's what it feels like. It feels mm-hmm. like the zombie virtual tech show. Yeah, if you look at all the pictures and videos coming out of the people who are actually there, it's like empty halls and mm. like and whatnot. Which it's kind of pathetic, I, honestly. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel I, like these organizations they need to run events, otherwise they don't they don't exist. You know, it's like yeah, this is their yeah. very existence defined. Uh, it's the GSMA, right? So they do a lot more, yeah. but this is their blowout event. This is their local CES and. You know, they were one of the first ones hit with uh, um, pandemic lockdowns or cancellations last year. So this one's even happening a little later in the year than it normally does. And it just doesn't feel it feels like, okay, guys, good effort. Good effort actually doing this thing and getting people there. But Mm -hmm. there is no point in actually doing it at this point. There's no devices here, really. Yeah. I, I was wondering why like companies were timing their announcements to this event anyway, since it's kind of a, a non nothing burger. But I I mean the way they companies work in the past few years is they always just prepare the products for a certain cycle of launching, right? Like they're okay, these will be our NWC announcements, these will be our IFA announcements. So I feel like for them it's such a habit, and they've already been prepping this for a year plus that they probably couldn't time it any other way, you know, to begin with. So. So for Lenovo, as always, they have like a slew of stuff at every show because Lenovo makes all the things. The Smart Clock 2 is not really very like exciting just from an improvements and upgrades perspective. Like Sam said, there's like a wireless charging dock that comes with it now. Um, It's still like the same little four inch Google Assistant enabled smart screen without a camera. So you can like set alarm, see the time, I see the weather, I mean, talk to assistant, more grumpy sounds like that. I mean, they, uh, how is this different than the last smart clock? That's the only thing. Samsung, the Lenovo's speakers good at now fire forwards. The speakers now fire forwards, oh, Dev. Isn't boy. that great? It is. <laughs> it, it should have been that way from the start, Lenovo. I know. I was going to say that. Sam, Sam, do you like <laughs> Do you have? I know you have smart displays at home. Do you use a smart clock? Uh, so I reviewed the first one, and mm-hmm. this was yeah. before like there were a lot more smart displays available. So I, I think they're nice. It just you know it kind of depends on like what level of like tech nerd you are. Where it's like, oh, I want something that has you know the assistant in there, and I want to put that by my bed, and you know there's no camera in it, so you don't have to worry about like any security issues or anything. Um, and it's like, okay, that's nice and it's cheap and it's, you know, pretty easy to use. The question that I have is that like, how much do you really like the Lenovo smart clock more than like the, say the standard Nest Nest Hub, which does, you know, a little bit of sleep tracking has a much bigger display. So maybe you could watch, you know, shows or something on it. And, and, and so like, you know, Lenovo's kind of in like a kind of tough niche in terms of the smart clock and how it compares to other smart displays. But I'm not going to say it's like a useless product. It's just, you know, it's it's, it's simple. There. And that's, you know, yeah. that's not necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing, but it's a simple device. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like I mean, I have it's one, cute. yeah. It's cute. What about yeah, the HP Pavilion Arrow guys? Because I know HP is like, hey, this is cool. This is... <laughs> 
This is the lightest <laughs> laptop we've ever made. That's all we can say about it. It's very light. It's, it's the, very it's cool. the lightest consumer laptop because let's not forget they did the Elite Dragonfly, <sighs> yeah, which is like its yeah. business line. So that one, they're like lighter than air. It's definitely like, a tagline that is very clear for people. <sighs> Sam, you cover PCs. Pavilion Arrow. I, I, I have thoughts, but what are your thoughts? I mean, it's not an Envy or it's, and it's not a Spectre. So it's yeah. not like yeah. HP's premium thing. And so mm-hmm. I like the fact that they're making something relatively affordable. It starts at seven fifty, which is a, mm-hmm. definitely a good price. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they're doing like a all magnesium aluminum chassis, which you know mm-hmm. is kind of bringing that premium feel down to like a more affordable price point. All all good things, but like and, and the lightness is great too. It's just like you know the announcement was a little thin, and there was a lot of details mm-hmm. they didn't provide, like and they didn't tell us what kind of ports if it's going to have Thunderbolt four or not or you know, a, a, a lot a lot of like, you know, the kind of specs that, you know, tech nerds kind of want to know. And so I'm it's optimistic. Who cares? Yeah. Right. And, and <laughs> yeah. so I'm optimistic. But yes, it is a pavilion. And it's like, you know, when like the third most important feature was like they have four luxury colors. It's like, all right, I, I see yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so HP's OMO has been like, oh, look at our pretty things, and then like, don't don't look at our ports, don't 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 look at our processor or screen aspect ratio. Uh. They have slowly been improving those things, but it's always been like, look how shiny. Um, also, Thunderbolt four on a pavilion, Sam, you dreaming? You dreaming? I, look, Go back home I, and dream. I'm, I'm trying to be ho- I'm trying to be optimistic. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I haven't reviewed it yet. We haven't touched it yet. I don't know. No, yeah. No pavilion user Light will sometimes... even know what Thunderbolt is. But yeah, okay, go ahead, Trillin. <laughs> I was going to say that the, just like a lightest laptop also sometimes can easily feel cheap. Mm-hmm. So definitely something we need to get in and see for ourselves. We, we to be clear, haven't seen any of these yet uh, other than Lenovo's devices, which again, Sam and I were at the same event together. <laughs> it was, you know, it, it was, being industry friends. Look at us. It was weird to be like back at in-person briefings and like mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I don't know how to talk to people anymore or like. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. like what what what's the procedure for this? As if like you hadn't done this for years, but it's just like it, it's you know, like you said, hot back summer. Everyone's everyone's a little awkward again. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, this is our like substitute, right? This little like uh, hands-on event was our substitute for the entire MWC. It was like all here's all the in-person interaction you're ever gonna get at this like show that doesn't actually happen this was year, it so. like a hands-on thing just for Sa- lenovo and samsung or was it an yeah, it was, all-around mobile world congress thing it was just lenovo okay. um just lenovo but lenovo had enough gadgets to basically power the whole show anyway so it felt like a, a show floor almost oh like God. one of their little booths um lenovo, yeah they can, they can i know never stop is there anything else you guys want to uh, call out from this mini mwc I mean, I know other companies like Qualcomm had mm-hmm. news. Um, you mentioned that it's a Lenovo tablet with a hanger built in, which I guess is a thing. <laughs> but yeah, Sam, I see you making no, no, a no. face. I, no, I want you to. I want you to tell me about <laughs> why you want to talk about the Lenovo tablet with a hanger. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Let me let me give you my five second pitch. I lo- have loved Lenovo's tablets with built in kickstands. Yes. Because they can prop themselves up. This is the same, except the kickstand here can double as a hanger, where you can just hang it on your kitchen cabinet knob or something i like that because then it can double as a smart display that is a very cabinet knob yeah okay well yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. okay okay sam why do you hate i i don't i don't hate it it's just you know (laughs) the previous kickstands there actually was a little hole in it that you could hang Mm. it on a hook they just made that hole way bigger and then now it's like a hanger 
And it's like, and grip. Oh, okay, but like, you know, if we're talking, if, if we're looking at a tablet and the thing that we're talking about is the hanger on the back, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of tells you all you need to know about the tablet itself. Uh, I will say that is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on like kind of an adjacent note, there was that 13 inch Lenovo tablet that had the micro HDMI port, which I think is really interesting because not only can you use it as a second screen, I believe, but you could also plug it into something like a switch. And then suddenly you have like, you know, a little mobile console with like a much bigger display than, you know, the tiny switch screen. And that is an interesting idea. I'm curious to see how you know, what kind of battery life you get on that in terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, what's going to die first, the switch or the, or the tab. Mm. And, you know, yeah. we'll see, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I think it's an interesting idea, especially when, you know, more people are working from home and the idea of having a mini second screen might actually be kind of useful. Thanks, folks. I don't want to hear about Mobile World Congress again until next year. So let's move on. And let's talk about the Windows 11 Insider Preview, which officially launched this week. And this is the first chance that most people are going to get to play with Windows 11. Um, You know, I wrote up my hands-on experience with it. We've talked about it over the last few episodes. It's kind of the same basic thing. Uh, But yeah, go check out my hands-on piece. Uh, I really, now seeing the new polished interface, you know, all, you know, in one, in a like more complete form than that leak build we talked about a couple weeks ago. I think it feels better. Um, the start menu, the taskbar, everything is the same as we saw before, but we're seeing more things like even the the settings in the lower right, you know, those quick settings you get on every PC, they're kind of organized differently. The notification trays organized differently. There is a revamped store, um, you know, a bunch of little changes that I think add to a nice, fresh, new experience. And I really like the quick snap stuff. That is getting better too. We talked about that last time. That is when you like hover your mouse over the maximize button in the top right of a window and you get a couple different you know layouts where you can push that window. Now that's more complete, I've noticed that um, when I push a window, say to like the lower right, all the other quadrants or areas of the screen, it has like a mini task manager that lets me quickly pick an app to open there. So within five seconds, I could be like, okay, Spotify, you go here, Slack, you go here, Evernote, you go down there. And all of a sudden that is my screen filled with all the apps I need. Once you organize apps like that, it turns into a snap group, which is a th- like a persistent thing. So if I then went to play a game or did a full screen app or did something else, if I wanted to get that layout back of those apps in those specific conditions, um, I could just go to the taskbar, uh, hover over one of those app icons and go back to the snap group. It's pretty nice. So I think multitasking is a lot better uh, certainly than any other Windows I've seen so far. Uh, Sam, I know you've uh, seen some of this. Have you, do you have any thoughts so far? Um, I think Windows 11 is like already going to be a very divisive upgrade mm-hmm. because I think it's asking a lot from you know the old school Windows diehards who are used to 7 and XP and you know they've been with Windows forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then on the other oh, hand, yeah. Microsoft is trying to balance. It's like, oh, we're looking over at macOS and everything's shiny mm-hmm. and they have these great animations. And so I think Microsoft is in a tough position where they're trying to marry those two worlds. And it's it's pissing off the old people. It's like, oh, I don't want my Windows to change. It, like, Windows 10 is great. Why do we need yeah. Windows 11? They'll there's never like a, want it to change. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other people. It's like, you know, I, I wrote a story about this for Gizmodo. And I think Microsoft really needs to, like, uh, needs that facelift on Windows 11 because yes. they need to provide confidence to people in terms of, oh, this menu pops up and it doesn't look like it's from 1999. 
and they want a, a cohesive UI, a U, cohesive UX, because it makes it easier to use. And then to your point, it builds into things like new snap groups, things like, you know, cleaning up the notification trays and, you know, all of that. And I think it's it, like from a visual perspective, it can be a little bit jarring. But I think if you can get past that, you'll really begin to see, you know, what the benefits of Windows 11 are. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think that's that's kind of like the the optimistic kind of way to look at it from from mm-hmm. from my thing. It just feels nice, you know. When I talked about the leak build, I was saying like, yeah, it's very Mac like. Uh, the that the taskbar, right? It's all icons now. I specifically asked when I talked to some Microsoft reps, like, hey, um, yeah, what about labels? You know, that's like the thing. Windows labels, knowing exactly what a Windows is, what a window is in your taskbar before you click on it, uh, and it it it, it sounded like my reply to that, they were like, huh, that's interesting. As if they'll never think about labels again, because certainly labels are the single easiest way to make your windows, you know, setup look ugly because it's just a mess of stuff. It's like having a ton of tabs at the bottom of your screen. So I think they're really leaning on this, like, okay, just, just live with the icons folks. Like there are other ways to find your apps. Uh, we'll try to make it nicer and easier. I think that's going to be the biggest problem for some diehards, but Hey, you can still shove this thing to the left side of the screen um moving between apps windows tab alt tab everything still works so it's not like the end of the world for me and i do appreciate like some of the stuff we're seeing um there's like one one update they didn't even really talk about much called like a dynamic refresh rate which i think is really cool it's this idea where if you have a gaming monitor or a gaming pc and you have like refresh rates above 100 hertz yeah windows can windows 11 can automatically increase refresh rate when you're scrolling or when you're inking to make everything look smoother. Whereas before, if you want that smoother refresh rate, you have to keep it on all the time, which drains battery life. So this is a really interesting, neat little compromise type thing. So, you know, there it's it's things like this. Um, you know, they're bringing over some features from Xbox Series S and X, like the auto HDR feature. Uh, the I forget what the name of it is, but like the faster memory paging from Xbox as well. So, And they said specifically Windows 10 is not getting that. So I think in a very real way, like they were saying, like, hey, this is the new Windows, deal with it. Um, I would say check out the first Insider Preview. It's easy to get. Maybe don't put it on your primary machine yet. Um, I have it on, like, secondary laptops. Never do that for any beta software people. Uh, That's just too risky. Sherlyn, do you have any thoughts about what we're seeing so far with Windows? Because we have other stuff we can move on to as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I have two 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 main questions mm-hmm. or thoughts. One is uh, di- the dynamic refresh rate thing. According to the picture on our article, mm-hmm. it looked like it was working on a laptop that was also attached to an external monitor. Mm-hmm. Do you know if, like, how does that work if, say, your laptop is under 100 hertz refresh rate and then the, the external monitor is 144 or no something? Clue. I have no clue. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Right now, I have Windows 11 on Surface Laptop 4. And I think there's a lot of stuff mm. Microsoft, like Microsoft didn't even pre-announce that feature. So it was just kind of hidden yeah. in the blog post. And we're like, wait, what? You've you've never mentioned this. We just had several talks with you about Windows 11. You've never brought this thing buried, up. They buried yeah. it. They kind of buried it. Go. So, you know, it's stuff like that. But I'm digging it so far. But to, speaking of beta software and early releases, we've all been playing with uh, iOS 15 public beta and watchOS 8, I haven't seen that, and macOS Monterey. Apple, so far, as we're recording this, has released the first public uh, betas of iOS 15, iPadOS 15, and watchOS 8. Sherlyn, you wrote up your preview. Like, is it is it 
good at this point because it's to me this is yo. what I'm excited about. Yeah. Yo 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 yo. So mm-hmm. uh, as a freshly minted Apple coverer person <laughs> on Engadget, uh-huh. <laughs> I I have been impressed with the stability of the iOS public. Or the Dev Beta 2, which is what I was testing out uh, so far. Mm-hmm. It actually, um, first of all, they're basically the same. As it's the, the same thing. Data. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. All the features are, are there, uh, which is what I find the most impressive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all the features they talk about at WWDC, they're pretty much all in this public beta. Now, mm-hmm. should you go about, like go ahead and install that uh, only if you want to risk potentially breaking your phone? I haven't had any major bugs with the betas other than specifically with the new features. Um, but yeah, I've been testing it. There will be a video coming to our YouTube channel very soon on it uh, featuring me. Your gal. But uh, I t- tested out things like FaceTime, right? And FaceTime is one of the, the apps that got the biggest updates in iOS 15. Mm-hmm. Um, SharePlay is one of the things that people are very hype about. You can use SharePlay to watch an Apple TV show or one of many other third-party supported apps that are coming soon. Um, and, and watch that with your friend and have it all sync together over the cloud uh, on Apple's end. And that uh, didn't work very well during my testing. <laughs> This is Sadly. this. This feels like early growing pains, just because we don't know what yes. these like. We don't know what to look for, right? If you're trying to share play something, right. but you you learned a little bit, right? Like I at learned least, like so, how it should work. Yes, and and as an as an Android person, there was a lot of mm-hmm. speed learning I had to do, and uh, <laughs> so FaceTime. <laughs> You know, like uh, your controls are normally, at least as of iOS 14, at the bottom of the screen when you start a FaceTime call. They're now at the top and there's a a button in this uh, bottom right of this new box at the top that allows you to share your screen. Um, so far, I've had to. It's only worked with people who both who have the beta as well. Yeah. So I have to yeah. have the beta, and the caller also has to have the beta, uh, and it it works. Um, but there are known issues, of course, that Apple has detailed already publicly on its uh you know developer page, and it's working on them. So just a general takeaway, because for the details, you can go look at you know, in gadget.com, I, I've spent too many hours on that article. So just go read it. But general takeaway is that like all the features are here. Some of them are buggy. FaceTime's SharePlay, for example, uh, it's not consistently performing across different types of devices and uh, things like g- geo restrictions apply to certain things like Apple TV, which is <laughs> of something we, I didn't yeah. think about. Yeah. yeah. Even even though me and Matt Smith, our, our UK bureau chief, were, who was testing this with me, and thanks a lot to Matt, by the way, um, even though both of us had access to the same shows, right? We were both trying to watch Ted Lasso, Central Park, Mythic mm-hmm. Quest. They're all both available on uh, in, in the US and the UK. Yeah. But we couldn't watch them because zero restrictions. It was just that weird. Is, and that, that is weird because they're both Apple-owned shows, right? Normally, you'll get those right. restrictions of like if Netflix you know, licenses right. something in one country and not another – that is strange, huh? It is very strange. So, so that's something that I'm still kind of like trying to figure out. But, but despite all of these little bugs, I think compared to say the Android 12 beta, where like a lot of the features that I was looking forward to testing weren't available at the start, like Material U still isn't here on the Android 12 beta. I I was just pleasantly surprised that like Apple had its act together enough to put everything together, even if it was slightly glitchy here and there. I know I know Sam, you don't really necessarily uh, cover Apple stuff as much, but what was kind of your impression so far? Um, so one thing I like is that uh, they're kind of redesigning the notification system, 
which I think mm-hmm. for, you know, even for longtime Apple people, but also, you know, people who were considering switching, I think the no- Apple's notification system has been one of the like big, you know, sticking points and maybe something that maybe mm. stopped them, stopped people from, you know, being more interested in iOS. So I think that is a really good improvement. Um, just kind of mm-hmm. clarifying it and decluttering a lot of notifications, grouping mm-hmm. things together when when possible. Uh, just, you know, very, very simple stuff. I've heard that uh, the new Safari redesign is very contentious because they moved a lot of the buttons yeah. around. And it's like, oh, yep. man, I, I, like, I don't know how to browse the web anymore, yeah. which is like a crazy thing to think about. But, yeah, I guess yeah. that's where we're at. They, they literally flipped I- it upside down, right? Because now the address bar and everything is at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Rather yep. than being, I top. like that though. I kind of like it. Yeah, I, yeah. I like it. Yeah. It, it makes sense because you know when you're holding your phone, your thumb is closer mm-hmm. to the bottom of the screen. So, yes. like, you know, theoretically, it makes a lot of sense. But it's one of those things you just like. Oh, I now I have to re- completely relearn all my muscle memory, and that's going to be jarring for people. And then, like you know, interesting that you brought up like you know Android 12. It's like it feels like Android 12 is going to be a much bigger redesign or much bigger update from, especially from a visual design standpoint, as opposed to iOS uh, 15, where, you know, they're kind of, you know, expanding FaceTime and, you know, they're doing more under the hood stuff to make it easier to use instead less, you know, because they have the shortcuts and like the customization stuff last year. And so this is kind of like a TikTok cycle for Apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the deep yeah. the deeper integration is part of what you're talking about, right? Where like share with you, where like people sent you, you know, playlists or photos, it will show up on their contacts page as well. That also is working in the beta uh, on some level. Mm-hmm. Dev, you were saying, I do think like of all the things Apple's releasing this year, software wise, uh, iOS 15 feels like the big one. Just in terms of like we are actually seeing a bunch of changes, like the way they're handling notifications being grouped together, letting you delete things, different focus modes. Um, I think those FaceTime changes have been a long time coming. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm excited about spending more time with that. Um, I haven't spent time with iPad OS 15 and watch OS eight. Anything you want to call it there I, quickly? Cause I do want to talk about Monterey real quick. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, watch OS eight, the biggest change is in, uh, at least functionally to mm-hmm. me is in how you compose messages on your watch. It's great. Now you can use the digital crown as a cursor to go back and edit text if you're really replying to someone on your watch, which few people do. But if you do, that <laughs> thing is a godsend. Uh, quick shout out to the uh, I, quick. Damn it. There was one thing. Oh, when Sam brought up muscle memory uh, about the Safari thing, I will just say as a like MBOS person, right? I'm both Android and Apple right now. And I will stay this way. I, uh, don't worry, good, people who good. listen to the <laughs> and gadget podcast i'm still gonna be an android girl but also ios here's yep. here's where the muscle memory is a, is a trouble is a problem for me and here's why the two os's are so hard to just kind of switch between some of them just like i'm so used to swiping in from the screen to go back on android and i hate that it's not on ios but so many other things work so much better on ios as well like safaris <laughs> the fact that safaris like <laughs> controls are all at the bottom now uh-huh. yes just put everything within reach of my thumb that's mm-hmm. all that's it. Anyhow, that was my little. Rant. I, I like that and, we're slowly yeah. seeing you being uh, intoxicated by Apple's vault <laughs> garden know. here. Like, oh, it just kind of works, huh? That's uh, that's nice. It's it's so beautiful. polished, huh? I'm wow. not going to be surprised if, uh, like, Google I/O next year, Chrome comes out with uh, an address bar mm. on the bottom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Is, I, I think that's going to be a thing that you know a lot of people are going to respond mm-hmm. to. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to do more of this. 
Yeah, at we least should on they should mobile have. browsers. Because, hey, for sure, I'll, I'll talk about macOS Monterey, the new yes. you know, desktop OS, real quick. That public beta isn't out yet, at least as we're recording this. Um, who knows? Who knows when that's coming? Yeah. Uh, but it's. It, I, I felt kind of bad because it's like, man, this is not the exciting one. This is like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is really boring. This looks exactly the same. Uh, Safari is a little different. Um, It is part of this way of redesigning it. But now um, Apple basically shoved the tabs bar and your navigation bar, everything all up to like one strip at the top of the screen. So tabs are now really cramped. Uh, I feel like people are going to be annoyed by that. Um, As soon as I open 10 tabs, like on my MacBook Air, it immediately got reduced to like the little site icons, which I think on a normal, normal browser where you have the full screen for the tabs bar, um, you could usually hold in a bit more. Uh, but they did add something called tabs groups. So you can like save a bunch of tabs uh, into, you know, like a, it's not quite bookmarks, but it's like a bookmark save thing. And that gets synced to iOS 15 and iPad OS 15. So if you are researching something, you've built a collection of sites, you can sync that to your iCloud account. I do think it's cool that you'll be able to quickly get access to that on mobile. Uh, but yeah, beyond that, it's 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 iPad OS. And yeah, I, yeah, or sorry, Mac OS. I, yeah. I, no, well, actually. Yes, I, I mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, like, you know, your flub is kind of like. It indic- is. It indic- is. Indic- indicative of like, you know, where, where mm-hmm. Mac OS is going. And it's like, you know, it started last year with like, you know, redesigning it and making Mac OS mm-hmm. look more like iOS. And like, so I'm kind of curious, like. As you know, like a longtime Mac user, like how do you feel about, mm-hmm. I guess, the desktop OS becoming more like the mobile OS? Because you know, it kind of feels like maybe they might be ignoring power users a little bit, and that yeah. that is an interesting strategy. I think Apple has not cared about power users for a long time, right? We're still waiting for that new Mac Pro after the trash can mm-hmm. one, which uh, yeah was not <laughs> great. Like it's been years. So um, hey, the M1 chips brought you know, iOS apps over to Macs 2 and iPad apps. So I feel like that's the shift we're seeing. Like Apple's never, I don't know if we'll ever see an iPad Pro, you know, with uh, with running macOS, but I also think they'll get so similar that you probably won't mind. You know, when you buy an iPad, you'll expect a simpler tablet interface. When you buy a Mac, you'll expect something a little more complex. But I don't, I don't think Apple's thinking as hard about desktop operating systems as they are about mobile these days. And that kind of shows... It, sh- it shows me in, like, the difference between playing with Windows 11, where all these, like, thoughtful changes and there's a lot going on, and Monterey, where it's like, well, you can have the FaceTime features we brought to iOS, you know? You can have some of the mobile features on your desktop now. Uh, it's less exciting. I don't think Apple cares as much about the desktop interface much anymore, which is kind of it's kind of sad, because this is still my primary I- computing environment, you know? I mean, I, yeah, I, and what I was going to say is it's related to all of that, right? The mobilization of macOS. In, in that vein, I actually thought, correct me if I'm wrong, will the iOS 15 focus modes also sync to macOS, Monterey? Mm, that'd be interesting. Because imagine that situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where you turn on work mode and then your desktop changes its home screen to mm-hmm. show Slack and whatever. And you can mute Telegram and everything but I don't, Slack. There's nothing, I don't know if it works that way right now, but there is nothing preventing Apple from doing that. And I think that's right. Do that. my main takeaway right now in Monterey is like, oh, this is just like, it's like the little bow on top of Apple's ecosystem lock-in. Basically, uh. it's like, oh, ooh, you want to 
You want to go somewhere else? You want a Windows PC? But uh, hey, your FaceTime is so nice now. It all just works so seamlessly. And we made Safari a little nicer. You can share play with your friends. Like it is right now just a mechanism to keep you in the Apple environment rather than yeah, make you more productive. Right. So at least that's how it seems at this point. Um it's nice. And I think you'll start to notice this, Roland, like as you have more Apple stuff around you, it's like, oh, it is nice that yeah. <laughs> everything's just synced. I could just share play. I could just FaceTime. Um, that seems like it's already Apple's sucking big me push in. right now. Yeah. It's already sucking me in. I will say, uh, I, I basically have four words for you, Apple, mm -hmm. focus modes for macOS. It's, a, it's, on, it's on macOS. It's on macOS. Just hot tip it's on Monterey. Hot tip, but if, if it's not there yet, and it's if already you're bringing there. it it's there, I there. expect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. well, that's like beautiful. Like just freaking. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I I would love to see. Windows has a sort of focus assisting where mm -hmm. it mutes a lot of your notifications, but it's not that customizable. It doesn't mm -hmm. change your home screen. It's just kind of annoying and mostly gets in the way. So mm -hmm. we'll see. But yes, uh, I am getting sucked into the Apple <laughs> ecosystem and. Y'all can mark today as the date this downhill slide begin. We will come back to this podcast in one year and see what happens. Let's see how, how it goes. Well, we'll keep an eye on all this stuff. All these Apple releases are expected this fall. We're not sure exactly when, but at least now everybody can try them. Um, not Monterey yet, but you can try the mobile stuff. Again, uh, my warning, put backup, this on a secondary device backup. if you can. Definitely, if mm -hmm. you're going to put this on your main phone, do a physical backup. So plug that phone into a computer. Get an iTunes backup because the iCloud backup doesn't can actually restore uh, if you have iOS 15 on a device. So that it gets more complicated. Get a physical backup at the very least. And uh, have fun. Tell us what you all think at podcastandgadget.com. Thanks, Sam, for joining us to chat about all of this stuff today. Where can people find you online? You can find me at Sam Rutherford on Twitter and, of course, at Gizmodo. Um, you know, I'll be covering all the Samsung's uh, forthcoming announcements and Windows stuff. And once again, you know, thanks for having me on. I had a great time. Let's move on to some other news. And one thing that I think is just kind of hilarious, there's this story that popped up this week. Amazon is seeking the recusal of FTC chair Lena Khan, a longtime company critic. Uh, if you've been following the Engadget podcast, you've probably heard us mention Lena Khan and her work, her academic work around modern monopolies and how you define them. That is, uh, we, we didn't follow that whole story because she was nominated to the FTC and then she was confirmed. So right now, like she she is an FTC chairwoman and, you know, more power to her. What makes Lena Khan special, though, is like she has been going against the academic grain when it talks about how you define monopoly. Most people define monopolies when it comes to like consumer welfare, right? And consumer goods, right? Is it if prices are low, like Amazon tends to push a lot of its stuff, it can't really be a monopoly, right? Like they they're not harming consumers. She's talking about reframing things in other ways, like how does a major company, even if it's pushing low prices, how does it affect uh, suppliers and distributors? How does the fact that Amazon have, you know, its hands in almost every pie of business making, you know, how does that affect competition overall? And basically, Amazon's PR people right now are just doing a, uh, or it's probably their legal people, but are basically crying like big babies, right? Wow, wow. Yeah, wah. it's... It to me sounds like they got hurt. They took this personal. They were like, "You keep attacking us," and and like, they they don't realize that like at least I, this is my take, right? My take mm -hmm. is that when someone 
comes at you like this and repeatedly does so, it means you need to take a look at what you're doing. Unless like, unless it's like that person is the only person doing so. But no, you're this person is not the only person yeah. criticizing. Either this this is like serious, rigorous academic work she's been doing about Amazon. Yes. Let me yes. just, this statement from an Amazon spokesperson, I think it's hilarious from Jack Evans. Uh, she He says uh, her past work is, reflects preconceived views about the company. Chair Khan's body of work and public statements demonstrate that she, she has preju- prejudged the outcome of matters the FTC may examine during her term and under established law preclude her from participating in such matters. Um, this is why she was nominated, folks. This is why she's yeah. on the FTC. Is because her she's academic somebody, work. Yeah, she's somebody who's thinking about how these companies influence the market and the world at large so you know we'll be following the story and, i just find it hilarious and, and and what i meant to say was that just like it, the same rigorous criticism she applies to mm-hmm. amazon she can and probably will apply to other companies that get too big and that get too you know that start doing things that they shouldn't be doing and this that's is, what yeah what they're really all afraid of for <laughs> right but instead of like saying that okay this is fair and you know you know good discipline they're going like, oh, you're bullying us. And I don't like that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but hey, speaking yeah, of Amazon. Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, and, speaking of, yeah, in, instead of nay Amazon, let's go to yay Amazon, I guess. Yay? I, I don't I guess, know. Yeah. Because... So, so it's kind of it's kind of like a half-hearted yay, right? Because this week, Amazon uh, announced that it's rolling out its movement health. Uh, service to the Amazon Halo app. As a recap, Amazon Halo is this like $100 screenless wearable that Amazon launched in last year, the last year in April. And then it comes with a subscription service. Uh, you pay, I can't remember how much exactly a month to get access to your like other health insights that this data, tra- this wearable tracks for you. And it will tell you your tone of voice when you're speaking and, you know, the app itself has a body. We've talked about this on the show before. So you're probably familiar with it. Yeah. Movement Health is was actually announced earlier in June, at the beginning of the month. And it was basically supposed to be like these functional tests that you can do to see, check out your mobility. How are you doing? And then it'll prescribe you some exercises you can do every week, uh, maybe three to four times a week. And then, you know, keep revisiting the test to see how your uh, mobility is improving uh, or not. And I actually really like that. I mean, like, here's my take on all of Amazon Halo after spending a few months with it, right? I think the app is actually pretty good. I think it's got features. I think the body fat scan feature is actually helpful for like people who want a more complete assessment of their health than just BMI. Is it is and it then- different than anybody else's like similar features like from Fitbit or anyone else? So no, none of them actually do a computer vision based body fat skin at the moment. So it is unique and it is actually pretty accurate based Mm -hmm. on my experience. Mm -hmm. It's not difficult to do. You just use your phone, take a few pictures. And according to Amazon, it's all stored securely, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You got to take that at your own interpretation, right? Whatever. The, and this new movement health thing is again, another like camera based test where they start seeing how well you can complete a squat right like how low can you go <laughs> uh, but <laughs> this I'm just making noises this entire today. this whole amazon thing by the way is just about judging you isn't it it's about amazon looking at you and judging it, like what is, is it, your body fat what is your tone of voice can you squat sounds, amazon decrees right. 
Sure. It sounds like it sounds <laughs> like Amazon's doing that, but obviously you have the option as to whether you want to run these tests and and yes, it will tell you like what your body fat percentage is or or whether you've, you know, performed a squat correctly, but you don't have to do it. One, two, I mean, every physical health assessment sort of feels like that, right? It's like, oh, your BMI is a little sure, too sure, high. Sure. I'm, you know, it's it's more if you're already keen on finding out more about these things, then these are mm-hmm. useful tools. I, I still just um, don't my, know why anybody would get this, right? The Halo app yeah. at all compared to well, Fitbit or anything else or Apple Watch. Okay, that's yeah. a that's a that's a fair thing. I'll circle back to that. Here's yep. my main takeaway about Amazon Halo in general. The band is freaking useless. The wearable it looks bad. It's an accelerometer, mm-hmm. it's a heart rate monitor, and a, a bunch of mics and a button. It's a collar. So yeah. Yeah. Just to track the you. only real good thing about it is that like I accidentally threw it in the washing machine. <laughs> it came out fine. It came out completely fine. So great. But uh I I would love though the problem is the Halo app is completely unusable without the band. So you have to pay this upfront $100 for the band. And then you have to pay a subscription to use the other features. So like if the app were free, I'd be like, yeah, actually install the app and go check out this body fat scan thing if you're interested in that. Like if you want to know your body composition. But no, that's not the case. Now, compare it to a Fitbit or an Apple Health or whatever, The this is very different from those, right? Like it does some of that stuff, like it tracks your steps, it tracks your like I like your active minutes a day and whatever, um, and your sleep. But it offers these additional things, whereas like Fitbit, Apple Health, Google's Fit, all very focused on meeting your goals for the day, closing your rings, uh, and very standard sleep and health tracking stuff. And then also a lot of them have cycle tracking, period cycle, menstrual cycles tracking, um, stress guided meditation, guided breathing, that sort of thing as well. So they're all, the rest of the industry is chugging along in one direction. And Amazon's all like, nope, I'm an infinity stone split. I'm going to be a yeah. Nexus event. I'm going to tangent off. I have yeah. to ask you though, like just, we know these companies. We've talked about this, these companies. Yeah. Um, just that a whole lot. Amazon response to a vague criticism of antitrust from people. Yep. Is Amazon a company you trust with anything related to your health? Because I think at this point, we, we got to start like putting our foot down in terms of certain things. This is sort of like when we were talking about the Facebook uh, video chat service, right? It's like, sure, it's a nice piece of hardware. The cameras are nice. I don't trust Facebook with any of this data at all. And I think that's a consideration that people should be making, right? For sure. I think if you're sensitive about your data at all, you don't want pictures of yourself. And by the way, form-fitting clothing is one of the requirements for most of these tools. Um, You know, if you don't like that being taken at all, right? And we all know with the internet that as long as a picture is taken, it's never, ever removed from the internet. Like, yeah. So, so don't, then don't, just don't, right? And then you have to apply the same philosophy to every company out there, Google, Facebook, so it's it's really a, a one approach to all. For me, I'm just like, well, I'm always in a tank top, crop top, anywhere I go anyway. So like, sure, I don't really mind these pictures being available online. Um, it's more with security camera stuff that I'm a little bit more sensitive about. And that's a different approach mm-hmm. I take. I take and a we, pretty different approach. I think it's worth thinking like next level too. Like the whole reason Amazon is trying to do this, right? Everything Amazon does is to try to sell you stuff better. So what is it doing with this health profile? What does it mean for the recommendations you get on the Amazon service, you know, on on the actual site and everything? And I think it, it is worth thinking hard about that and how much you want to be roped into that ecosystem. I don't trust Amazon at all when it comes to any of this stuff. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But uh, thank you for the update, Sherlyn. Let's move on to some of the stuff we're working on. 
I am, we're both busy just testing new operating system stuff. So I, I have a Vive Focus 3. I need to review at some point and a Vive Focus 2. I'll get to those eventually, folks. Uh, sit tight. I wish I wish this week hasn't been a constant flood of news. Sherlyn, yeah. Is, is that basically yeah. how life is for you? So, yes. So I was chugging along mm-hmm. with my Fitbit Lux review and wearing it, using it, gonna have it up soon. And, you know, some other behind the scenes stuff, like uh, we have our back to school gift guides we're working on and, and all that good stuff. But, you know, the betas all dropped and I was like, well, crap. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was this week. But you will see videos on the iOS beta coming soon. The Fitbit Lux hopefully will be a video. We're not sure yet, just because no time. Um, and then Fourth of July break, and then hopefully things hopefully die down a little bit after. But no, actually, I nope. can tell you it's not. So <sighs> good luck to all of us. Good hey. luck. But everybody. yeah, stay tuned for 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 all of the fun summer coverage. Hot gadget summer. hot gadget summer i am looking forward to taking a couple of weeks off in august so nobody really say anything okay i'm talking to you microsoft shirlin let's move on to some fun stuff yeah have you had time for fun stuff as you've been diving into all this <laughs> <laughs> my hot uh-huh. my hot gadget summer has been like all the uh, apple devices i'm recently like getting into test but <laughs> um my my actual hot device summer has been me playing Wheel of Fortune on the new I- Apple iPhone 12, and it just keeps getting hotter and hotter the more rounds Wheel of I saw. Fortune? But anyway, I know it's it's a fun game, Wheel of Fortune. I, anyway, no, okay. that's not my pick. Back to our actual picks. So I have two things. Uh-huh. My first one is not so much a recommendation as just like let's talk about this. I want to talk about physical on Apple TV mm-hmm. Plus. It stars Roseburn. Who does an amazing job in Love this Rose TV Burn. show? Yeah, Love Roseburn in anything. She can pull a villain. She can do a hero, hero, heroine. She can be very um, funny. She's hilarious in she like is the hilarious, last few batches but she's of also a scream yeah. queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. In physical, she's this woman who's extremely caustic towards herself and others, but in her internal voice in her head. The reason, and I, I watched this because I'm like. Oh, yeah, I love to watch some athleisure shit. Like, uh, yeah, let's get our, our heartbeats up. Yeah. And, like, it's it's a kind of a depressing show. A lot of the reviews I've read about this show have said it's... They're mixed, yeah. right? Everyone praises Miserable is the word like, I've been hearing a lot. Exactly. That this it word, is, though. Ugh. That's exactly ugh. what it is. It's yeah. hard to watch because... And you need to take breaks from it because why? All through the show, Roseburn's internal voice is criticizing herself and the people around her. Mm-hmm. But the reason I say I want to talk about this is that it's very similar to a lot of people in the world have this similar voice in their heads telling mm-hmm. them how bad they are or how, you know, just being critical of themselves. And that's not really, like, it, it's so, it's exemplified here in this show. It's actually really interesting to see how someone else does it to themselves because that's when it gets, like, so tiring and so miserable and so, like, defeating Meanwhile, we, a lot of us let it happen to ourselves on our daily lives and just think it's okay. And so a lot of the therapists, like Instagrams that I follow are always like, be kinder to yourself and your insight voice and your head voice, whatever the right word is. Um, be kinder to yourself from the inside. And and this is an example of how someone who's not kind towards themselves, hopefully the arc changes and she finds, you know, more value uh, from inside and, and the internal the show- voice. I mean, in the ads, it seems like it's about 80s fitness videos, right? But it doesn't seem like that's what this season is actually about. Not yet. Yeah. (laughs) It starts off Uh off with a flash forward from the future and then it jumps all the way back to start the story. And 
a lot of the starting parts of it are definitely like a little grueling. But anyway, just wanted to talk about that if you're interested in seeing how this sort of mentality, you know, happens, that's a good example. Now, my actual, maybe slightly more uplifting pick is a, a YouTube account called, I need to get the arrangement of words right, Foil, Foil, oh crap. See, I knew I would mess this up. Foil Arms and Hog. Yes, Foil Arms and Hog. Uh This is an Irish sketch trio. Uh, they perform on TV, radio, stage, and cool. YouTube. And I, yeah, I came. I across thought, like, them, what is this photo? Uh, is this a Sherlin fan club that we're just looking at here? <laughs> what the hell? I wish. I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, it's yeah. These three comedians. They. There. I. I came across them from a, like a Reddit thread mm-hmm. and a. They have a series of videos called Wordplay something. So they have Wordplay restaurant, Wordplay hotel, Wordplay, you know, airplane or whatever. And it's just them like making true literal interpretations of things like um, uh, something like, uh, uh, can I seat you now? Mm-hmm. And then like someone just like takes the most literal interpretation that of that and runs <laughs> with it. Or like, oh, do okay. you have a... Uh, oh crap, I'm trying to remember them, but they're all like really good. They're like a laugh a minute and you know short sketches. If you're looking for that sort of thing, I know last week we talked about like a different take, like Bo Burnham's comedy. This is mm-hmm. a more straightforward, let's laugh out loud, situational right. puns, that sort of thing. Uh, and there's so many videos they've made, so they're a good one for unwinding. Sounds like Monty Python esque. So I- I'm done yeah, with that. Yeah, a little I'll, bit. I'll check it yes. out. Taking yes. yeah, taking wordplay literally. That sounds fun. I I love it. Saw F nine, the Fast Saga, and I'm I'm so happy. Ooh. I'm so happy because <laughs> we've waited a year for this, folks. Like this was one of the first movies delayed because of the pandemic and delayed a whole year. And I I'm a big Fast and Furious fan. And if you if you want to know why, check out our review on the Slash Filmcast. Uh, Dave Schilling from Polygon's Galaxy Brains podcast joins us to to review the movie there. Um, I love the series. It's it's so much fun. I think this is one of those movie series I watch to justify why I go to big screen theaters. You know, because I, I saw this movie with my brother. We saw it with not a full crowd, but, you know, a decent chunk of people and people were reacting to the movie. It is funny. The action is thrilling. It's not my favorite Fast and Furious. It's it's kind of like mid-tier just because I feel like the series really peaked with F5 and F6 and a bit with F7. So I, I have a lot of feelings about it because I think in terms of like cool, big action, multicultural, you know, series, uh, this is the series shouldn't exist. It is a worldwide phenomenon now. Um, you know, it has stars of like very different types and like people just doing cool things and having cool quips. And it's all about family. And I, I think like one thing we kind of touch on too is like how how crazy the series has gotten. Like it, it is basically like a biblical story at this point because this movie is brother against brother. One brother is named Jacob, a brother oh, we like have not even. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a brother we have not heard of for the past 20 years that I've been watching Fast and Furious movies. So it is kind of ridiculous. It's fun and campy, and I love it so much. But yeah, check out our review on the Slash Filmcast because uh, we really go deep on, like, there. there's a lot of biblical allegories going on here. Like, Vin Diesel is our new Jesus, people. So... You know, I, I think I think like there's a lot to dive into here. I think you'd appreciate that, Sherlyn. But also fast cars, cool people, uh, you know, funny stuff. And I'm glad Justin Lin is back in charge of this franchise. Um, justice for Han, like no spoilers there, but the character Han, played by Sung Kang, who 
I've loved since Tokyo Drift is back. Uh, and I think it's really fun how they like justify bringing him back and everything. This is a series that's filled with so much like retconning and plot twists and whatnot. It is just so much fun to watch. I love it completely. Check out F9 The Fast Saga if you can in theater safely. I think that's the key word I, here, but it's worth it. I have a I have a confession to make. I've uh-huh. never watched a single fast movie. Yeah. I mean, every week you just disappoint <laughs> me, Trillin. You find new ways every week. Life goals. Life goals. Yes. Uh, no, the, the series is fantastic. I, I do feel like it, it was... I'll start to check them out. It may have be one of those things where you kind of had to be there in 2001 to see the first movie, which is right. not a great movie, kind of a point break ripoff, but the D's, Vin Diesel brought a lot to it. Uh, mm-hmm. His dynamic with Paul Walker was really interesting. The action was good, and uh, it introduced us to this like family of characters of criminals who were, at that time lifting combination VHS slash CRT TVs from semi-trucks on on the highway. Those were their crimes or combination DVD VHS players. And now they're like world-saving spies. It is just amazing how far it's gone. It is crazy, but I I think it's worth watching. I I think you should join on this. uh, Yeah. Like for me, this is my MCU in a way, you know, oh, like I love the integrated wow. universe. It's basically a comic book franchise. You could start at the beginning, but I think it gets really interesting once Justin Lin gets involved with Tokyo Drift, which is a fun, fun movie, and how um, it's just little things he did. Han is a character he first introduced in like Better Luck Tomorrow, his first indie movie, and now he's made him like a huge acting star. I love it so much. Anyway, uh, everybody, email Sherlyn, text Sherlyn, ping ah. her on Twitter, tell her to watch Fast and Furious. F9 is a ton of fun. Check it out. Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale Norton. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and talking about movies and the biblical allegories of the Fast and Furious saga on the Slash Filmcast. If you can tell me not to watch the Fast franchise and also send me a picture of your snack pile, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Thanks again to our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on AI and edge computing. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mouser.com slash empowering-innovation.